0: Father, we give You thanks and praise for this day, Lord. Thank You for bringing those that You wanted to be here, here tonight. Lord, to hear Your Word, to participate in the study of Your Word. Holy Spirit, feed us tonight. Feed our spirits. Feed our hearts with fellowship and and just love for one another and just a great time in You Father, we just ask your anointing to fall upon this place. Satan, we put you on notice. You're not welcome in this place. We bind all spirits, not of the Holy Spirit. We command you to go in the name of Jesus. You're bound and cast out. We're loosed. And Father, we give you thanks and praise for deploying angels around this place to minister to us, to uh, take care that uh, nothing uh, gets in to interfere with us tonight. Father, make Yourself real to us. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been studying in the book of Ephesians. Slowly but surely, we've been working our way through it. And tonight we continue in chapter 1. It's hard to believe that we've, uh, we've done three. We're on our third week in the book of Ephesians. And uh, yes, we're only up to verse 15. And I got great news for you. Tonight, we're actually going to make some headway. We're going to get up to verse 18. So so prepare yourselves as you open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 15. As we've talked about before, Ephesus is, of course, the, uh, the hot spot of that era. It's the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It's a party place. We got all kinds of funny things going on with different uh, uh, goddesses that are worshiped there and different belief systems. And, and we've talked about how Paul, uh, the apostle Paul, he, he started a church there. And that, that is exactly what apostles do. They kind of go church planting. And they, they start up a church and then they, they write letters. Uh, we, we, we make them sound holy by calling them epistles. Epistles. You ever written an epistle to someone i uh, I, I was with uh, one of uh, one of the guys who works for me and, I, and I, I, this week and I told him I said, "Hey, Matt, I need you to write a letter to somebody that we we're, we're trying to uh, to woo into partnering with us so he he he, uh, he calls me back and he says, Mikey, you should see the epistle I wrote to this guy last night. And I, and I read it, and it truly was an epistle. It was quite brilliant, um, but it was very lengthy and very detailed. And Paul, of course, is a, a guy of, of great words and, and just draws great word pictures. And under the Holy Spirit, just the, the Holy Spirit just uses him mightily to encourage, to reprimand, to correct, to lovingly direct this church that he started in this place called Ephesus and as we're going to see today the church in Ephesus is actually gaining some notoriety. This church is in the middle of pagan land folks and it is gaining notoriety for the level of faith in that church. Do people talk about your faith? Can someone look at you and say, so-and-so is a, 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 a person of faith. I, when I, whenever I need to be encouraged in the Lord, I go to this person and you know, I come to Mike and he, he, he gives me a word, or I, 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 I come to, to Susie and she gives me a word, or Joey and he gives me a word. The people, at the, the folks at Ephesus, this is exactly what was going on. And it says in verse 15, for this reason, I too, having heard of the faith... In the Lord Jesus, which existed among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. Now this is important because here Paul is saying that not only should we talk about these folks and use them as examples, but we need to pray for those that that are faithful we need to pray that god give them wisdom god give them direction do you know that there is a gift of faith okay now we all have been given a seed of faith but there just seems to be that that one person that man you just meet that person and they are are just always faith filled the, the, the world could be coming down around them and things could be all messed up and and the bills are just piling up or the job it just doesn't look right and the everybody around them is getting fired or or the just the world is in topsy turvy but they're always smiling man they're always happy they're always excited they've always got that joy of the lord on them and why is that well it's because of the faith that they have in God's word and in the promises that Jesus gives us. You know, if you stay in this word, folks, if you stay reading this and you believe what it says in your heart and you don't turn from it, do you know that it will change your life? It will change your life. There is no doubt in my mind, there is no doubt in my heart that this word is true. It's the infallible word of God. And every time I've ever turned from it, I've been discouraged. But let me tell you, every time I've turned to it, man, have I been encouraged. And I've really been blessed by some really faith-filled people. And I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. It's so important that when people bless you, when God uses somebody to bless you, pray for them. Take the time. So many of us come to the Lord and God, give me, give me, give me. And Lord, I need. And Lord, I need. And let me tell you, I'm just as guilty as anybody. I wake up in the morning and I say, thank you, Lord, for this day. How are you? I hope, I hope you had a great night while I was sleeping. Uh, Lord, what are you going to do for me today? How are you going to guide my life today? How are you going to... Not... not? I, I, I just... I don't have what Paul has talked about here. And it certainly is a convicting thing to me to look and say, wow, I, I need to learn to pray more for people, just for people that have blessed me. Sometimes we just go to those who bless us and we just kind of say, wow, man, that was a real blessing. And sure, you know, we mention them to our friends, and oh, I talked to so-and-so and I was discouraged and they really you know, picked me up or whatever. But when it comes time to spending time with the Lord to thank God for putting that person in your life, don't forget, this is not a reprimand, folks. Don't forget to pray for that person. Well, what do, you, what do you pray for? Well, here in verse 17, Paul says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Well, who is Him? Of course, it's Jesus so what do we what do we pray for here? We need people to have a revelation of Jesus. Because how many how many of us wake up and just we got that black cloud going on, you know, the day's just not right? And we sit, we just sit there and we say, and, and, and we've all said it, is this Christian thing real? Is this is this real? God, are you really there? And yeah, I know God, I'm supposed to trust you, I know I'm supposed to believe you, but I can't see you, Lord. You know, and I I don't know where you are right now. That's why we need to be able to pick up the phone or walk across the street or walk into the office and go to that person that lifts us up in faith and and say, help me today, give me a word, encourage me in the Lord, or just not even to do that, just when they say, how you doing? I, I feel that you're a little, you're a little apprehensive today. What, what's up? That you say to them, well, this is how I'm feeling. And because you've prayed for them to have wisdom, you've prayed for them to have faith, they kind of give you that spiritual refill. You, know, you, ever, you ever been stuck on the side of the road and, and, uh, and you don't have a gas can? and you're sitting there and it's 11.30 at night you know and you may look a little strange you may have a mohawk or something or have a couple of tattoos going on you know so you're standing on the side of the road and people are just you ran out of gas and somebody comes by and gives you that little little bit of gas out of their, their, their car, they pour some gas, out of, they just siphon some gas off and pour it into your tank. That's exactly what it's like going to somebody who you've been praying for and they've got faith enough to share. That certainly doesn't mean that we want you to become a spiritually codependent Christian now, because of course we're supposed to depend on Christ, but we pray for those that have helped us, that have blessed us. Amen? Amen? Dee, why don't you read us a uh, Verse 18 here. I
1: pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints?
0: So I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You know, the enemy doesn't want you to know who you are in Christ. He doesn't want you to know who you are in Christ. He doesn't want you to know your inheritance. He doesn't want you to know the power. Jesus said, what I do, you'll do, and what? And more, for I go to the Father. More, 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 more. This is not a bad thing to ask God to give you more than Jesus did because Jesus said that what I do, you'll do and more, and and actually, I mean, we—the only reason we think it may be more is because it wasn't written in this book. But the reality is that it says that if everything Jesus did was written in books, we, we, there, there would be enough books to contain it. Can you imagine this guy in three years did so much that there's not enough books to contain it? And it's so important that we know who we are in Christ because the enemy. He really wants to take that away. He wants you to never believe that God is going to use, he's going to allow you to participate in what he's going to do. The enemy sits there and tells you how worthless you are and how unimportant you are and how you can't do anything. That's true. I always, whenever the enemy tells me how much I can't do, I tell him, you're right, You know, but that's why through Christ I can do all things. Not some things, Satan, but all things. And this is why we need to stay in the Word and we need to learn the Word. When we talk back to those thoughts in our head, which are, of course, what? They're the darts of the enemy, right? We need to talk back to... You know, you see those people that are, you know, walking down the street talking to themselves. And sometimes they argue with themselves and all this stuff. Well, we need to be that way sometimes, but arguing with ourselves in Scripture. Hey, listen, if... If the world is doing it, they look a little kooky. Aren't you willing to look a little kooky for Jesus? Amen. That's why they call us Jesus freaks, right? So we need to be a Jesus freak. And when we find somewhere that we're blessed to continue to pray that that person have wisdom. Why? Well, because if we are Turning now to looking at church leadership or or folks in the church, people that teach us, uh, people that God has called to teach us, we need to pray for them to have wisdom because we want to learn to rightly divide the Word of God. You know that if, if you don't understand the Word of God, then you can't stand on the Word of God. If you if you really believe that some of the Word of God is true and some of the Word of God isn't, or maybe it was a little, you know, screwed up here or there, or maybe they made a mistake, that's dangerous. Because how do you know? How do you know where God was right and where, where man was wrong? And and, and you, you can't. you got to buy this book, Hook, Line, and Sinker. And one of, the, one of the common places that we, we talk about is the Gospels. Because you know the Gospels, there are four different Gospels. And they say, well, why are there four different Gospels? Have you ever looked at different pictures of the same event? You, you may have a, a, an event going on and, and there are you know, 30, 40, 50 cameras, 100 cameras there. Do you know that the picture through every lens is just a little different. And the gospels, that's what we call the four square gospel. Okay, it's, it shows Jesus in four different kind of manifestations and four, as as the teacher, as the servant, as the as God, as the son of God. You understand? And if you, if you don't rightly divide the scripture and understand, then you're just, you're just reading a good book, man. You're reading a good story about a guy who was a pretty cool guy and could heal people. And, and then you get to these people that look at the scripture and, and when you don't know how to, not, I don't believe in defending the faith, but when you're, when you're trying to explain to someone about the faith and you don't know your scripture, so they're like, well, what about when, this? and you're like, uh, Uh, I'll have to find out and get back to you, dude, because I really don't know. That's that's pretty bad. So this is one of the reasons that we have to study the Word, and even when we receive it in a Bible study or a church service, we have to go back and spend time with God and, and let Him reveal the Word to us. The Scripture says that you have no need that any man teach you anything, but the Holy Spirit of God will teach you all things. Not some things, but all things. So what, what does that mean? It means that, sure, we can we can gain a lot out of hanging out with the guy from church sitting under the, the pastor's anointing or the Bible's the teacher's anointing or what have you. But at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit's going to do the teaching because He can teach you all things. But the only way that that's going to happen is if you spend time with the Holy Spirit. Turn with me, if you will, in Matthew here to chapter 14. How many people here have heard about the feeding of the 5,000? Okay, and then, well, did you know that in the same gospel, the same gospel, we're talking about the feeding of the 4,000? Wait a minute, that's screwy. What's going on here? That doesn't make any sense. We got 5,000, 4,000. So Sandy, who is back with us tonight, Welcome. Um, Why don't you read to us Matthew 14, 14 through 21 and just kind of refresh our memories on this story about Jesus feeding the 5,000.
1: And when he went ashore, he saw a great multitude and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. And when it was evening, the, the disciples came to him, saying, The place is desolate, and the time is already past. So send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. And ordering the multitudes to recline on the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food, and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve full baskets. And there were about five thousand men who ate, aside from women and children.
0: How, how does he do that? <laughs> do you know when, when, when Jesus is on the scene and when you think there's not enough, there's always going to be an abundance? Amen. Jesus, when Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, give me that, notice notice how he said, give them to me. Mm-hmm. You understand? Do you, do, I mean, there's so much here. If we hold on to things and we say, well, here, you... you Jesus, you take half and I'll take half. No, Jesus says, no, give it to me. I want it all for me. And then I can work with it and I can give you more than enough. I can give you enough to take home with you. Five thousand people, not to mention women and children, right? So this is a, this is a a whole lot of people. Let's figure five thousand men and they each had a woman with them. So we're talking Ten thousand. Let's just say that the average Jewish family had, because remember these are farmers, folks. So farmers. When have you ever met a farmer with a little family? You know, because of course you know that's uh, that's free help. (laughs) So so you know. (laughs) So you know. But let's just say that they each had two or three kids. Let's say two kids. You're talking twenty thousand people, man. From 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 five loaves and two fishes. Now. As if that wasn't enough. Okay? Here we go. Go across with me, if you will. Turn to Matthew 15. Leo, why don't you read for me this time? Leo, read to me 15:32 through 38. And this is the feeding of the 4,000.
2: And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the multitude because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not wish to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where would you get so many loaves in a desolate place to satisfy such a great multitude? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven, and a few small fish. And he directed the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish, and giving thanks, he broke them, And started giving them to the disciples. And the disciples in turn to the multitudes. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces. Seven large baskets full. And and those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children.
0: Now keep a finger right there in Matthew 15. I want to show you something first. Go back to 14, 14. And look at what 14 says. And when he went ashore, he saw the multitude, the great multitude, and felt compassion for them. Compassion for them. They had just uh, told Jesus that somebody had passed away. And Jesus was like trying to get away to spend some time and just kind of rejuvenate himself. And they followed him. (laughs) The people would just keep following him. And Jesus felt compassion for them. And he ministered to them. Now, let's look at these two stories, right? Now go back to Matthew fifteen thirty-two Again, and Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the multitude because they have remained with me for three days. So let's just say, okay, for a second, that which some folks have actually said, well, wait a minute, it's the same story because, you know, they're so similar. And of course, <laughs> these people, they could not have possibly said the same stupid thing to Jesus three days later after he fed 50,000 people. Now, notice, first of all, a thousand people left because there's 4,000 this time, right? So, so do you know that, that after a while people get tired of Jesus when they really don't get to understand him when they, when the fish and the, and the, and the bread is all gone, when Jesus has fed them, Hey, it's time to go, dude. The guy's fed us. He's done his miracle. He's done his magic show. Hey, we're out of here. Let's go. So notice how there's 4,000 people three days later. So we're, we're, we're talking a 20% drop here of people. But Jesus didn't holler at them. Jesus didn't scream at anybody. He didn't, he didn't tell the disciples, oh, you idiots, didn't you just see? How many times don't we go to God and God takes us out of our circumstances and fixes them for us and all of a sudden, we find ourselves back in the same situation all over again. And we don't believe God can do it. But hey, they say third time's a charm, don't they? Yes. <laughs> so let's go to Matthew 16 now. Chapter 16,
3: verse 5 through 12. Sean And the disciples came to the other side and had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus said unto them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they began to discuss among themselves, saying, Is it because we took no bread? But Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that ye have no bread? Do you not understand or remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets were took up? For the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up, how is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Wow.
0: Now, this, this, is, this is some serious, juicy revelation we're about to dig in here. Here are, the, here are the disciples come, and they forgot to bring bread. Again, these guys are always forgetting food, man. They, then if you remember, <laughs> when Jesus went to Samaria, and, uh, and he was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, what were the, what were the disciples doing? They were out getting food. These guys got food on the brain, man. They got to go to Wendy's or Taco Bell all the time and there's no Taco Bell or Wendy's out where they're at now and they're getting all frustrated. Hey, Jesus, come on. Jesus, come on, man. Don't you remember the 5,000 and the 4,000 and the, and the, 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 the gathering of the baskets and all that stuff? Come on. What, what's wrong with you people? That's not even what I'm talking about here. Haven't I provided to you when there is none? Listen carefully. The leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What does he mean? Doctrine. Do, do you realize Jesus spent a lot of time calling the Pharisees and the Sadducees, what? Hypocrites. Why? Well, because it's not what goes into a man's mouth, what, what, what defiles him, but what comes out of it. These were folks that were Wrongly, wrongly dividing the word of God. They were looking to use the word of God to control people, to manipulate, to gain for themselves, to hold people to a level of, of spirituality that no one could achieve. And they would, and they would lord it over people and they would come and they would talk to Jesus and try and test him. And do you understand that Jesus knew all about the leaven or the religious mindset? Of man, because he dealt with it continuously from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Even the devil came and tried to twist the Scripture just a little bit. You understand that just a question mark in the Scripture can change its entire meaning? So if you don't know the Scripture, if you don't know how to rightly divide doctrine, if you're not sitting under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and you're not doing what the Scripture says when it says to test the Spirit's you're going to get some incorrect doctrine, man. And that's going to mess up your whole theology. Do you guys know about leaven and how it works? Leaven was what uh, the Jewish people used to use to make their bread rise. So, you know, they used to, they used to make the matzah. You know, you've seen that for, for, for Passover and what's not. And that's unleavened bread. That's bread It's flat like crackers, you know, like saltines. But when they would make bread, real bread, puffy bread, you know, the pita bread or whatever, they would take a little bit of leaven or a little bit of yeast. And yeast has this one characteristic, and that is that it grows, and it grows very quickly. Okay, um, And yeast will grow and grow, and one little speck of yeast will grow and grow and grow and make the whole bread all puffy, and it'll make it all yeasty. <laughs> okay? There's a problem with that. If you're, if you're trying to make unleavened bread, if you're trying to make flat bread, which is, which is really the, 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 the show bread or the, the ritual bread, the bread that's really used in kind of the rituals uh, for, for, for Passover and, and things of that nature, some leaven in that bread could really mess things up, couldn't it? So that's why the scripture says that a little bit of leaven leavens the whole loaf. One little speck of leaven, which basically, like I said, hey, if somebody puts one question mark in the scripture, did God say, if you are the son of God, (laughs) not if you are the son of God, then do this. No, if you are the son of God, question You see, and if you're not rightly instructed, if you're not rightly dividing the word, if you're not staying in the scripture, how are you going to know this? The word of the Lord is my strength. It makes straight my path. But I need to know the word. I need to understand the word. I need to be able to live the word. And if I don't spend time with God in his word, learning it, Rightly dividing it, asking the Holy Spirit for revelation. Understand, I could sit here and teach you. You could go to church on Sunday and your pastor could teach you till Jesus comes back. But if you don't spend time with God, you're not going to just get it through osmosis. You're not going to, I can't open up your brain and pour in spiritual word. Now, granted, as I said before, you need to pray for those that teach you, that when they teach you, they teach you with wisdom. And they teach you with faith, and they give you that charge, that jump start that you need. That says, "Wow, that's cool," and that really led me into thinking about this and that. But that don't let that be enough. Don't let it be, "Wow, man, Mikey's a really philosophical dude. He's really got that that scripture thing." You know, listen, it's not me. It's not me. It's the fact that I spend time with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit. Does what he does through me, but it has nothing to do with me of myself. Listen, when I outside of the Holy Spirit read this word, especially some of the stuff in this book of Ephesians that we're studying right now, it gets downright crazy. It gets confusing and it gets nuts and you don't understand it. But when the Holy Spirit comes on the scene and starts saying, Well, this is what I meant here, and this is what I meant there, because you know that do you know that the scripture, while while it was penned by man. Do you know that it was written by the Holy Spirit? But now, let me, take you, let, me, let me tell you something else. It wasn't written by the Holy Spirit. The scripture says of itself that all scripture is God-breathed. God blew it into existence. God doesn't breathe air. God breathes scripture. So, this is the very breath of God that we're reading. That we're understanding, that we're taking into ourselves. Why does the word give you life? Because it's the breath of God, man. Now tell me that's not deep. The breath of God is going into your spirit and giving you strength in your spirit. But the only way that you, I, I can, I can see here. I, anybody breathing from what I'm blowing at you? I hope I'm not. I don't got bad breath. No. You can't do that. If you've got to give somebody mouth-to-mouth resuscitation because they're on the ground, you've got to put your mouth up against theirs and blow and blow and blow. And if you need the Holy Spirit to lift you up, to encourage you, to give you that mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, you need to spend time letting Him breathe on you, letting Him breathe into you. And the only way that He's going to do that is by doing it through the Spirit, through His Word. And the only way that you're going to do that is if you're directed in the right ways to the Word. Let me tell you something, folks. I hope that in the short time that we've spent together studying the Bible for the last few months or what have you, that if, if, I've, if I've done one thing, is at the end of every study, I lead you back to Jesus. Because that's where it, that's where it starts, and that's where it ends. He is the Alpha, and He is the Omega. It's not about me. It's about Jesus and it's about his greatness and his awesomeness and his lordship and his kingship and his worthiness of our worship and our adoration and our love. You understand? It's not about me. I can't do anything for you. I'm nothing. He is the ruler of the universe. He is the creator. He's the the one who gave his life for us. So even though sometimes you may go to somebody who's got great faith or what have you, listen, don't don't ever make that person your source. Don't ever make that person what you depend on to give you that spiritual buzz, you know? I mean, it's great to go and listen to a great preaching. It's great to go and listen to great praise and worship, but focus on the creator, not the creation. Focus on the creator, not the creation. The Creator wants you to focus on Him because He's got so much more to show you. God is just so infinitely awesome. He's just awesome. And there's not words that I can... I can't even think of words to describe how when you ask Him to start talking to you and revealing to you, I'll share something with you. Do you know that this morning I woke up at 6 a.m., And I was in my Bible study this morning. And for whatever reason, I started reading the book of Matthew. And today's teaching, I I didn't study for this. You think I've been studying for this all weekend? Think I've been taking notes and all this other stuff all weekend? And No, I did a full day's worth of work today. I did a full day's worth of work. I spent about an hour and a half putting together the you know the handouts and the and the web page stuff for, for, for the podcast and, and just you know putting my braille notes together and whatnot. Maybe maybe an hour or so. That's it. Tell me tell me that it's not God because I couldn't have possibly put together a forty-five minute talk. When I do a 45-minute talk somewhere, i got to put a PowerPoint presentation together. i got to put slides together. But this is what happens when you relinquish control to the Holy Spirit and you say, Lord, use me. Use me to feed your sheep. Use me to teach your people. And you know what? God is not a respecter of persons. What He'll do for me, He'll do for you. As a matter of fact, what He's done for me, He's already done for you. So what does that teach us? It teaches us to keep our eyes on Jesus. And when we we find someone that encourages us, hey, you know, pray for them, bless them, tell them that they're a blessing, thank God for them, but never make them the focus of where you go to go get your spiritual filling or your spiritual bread. Because I can assure you that when you use man as your source, there's always gonna be some leaven in it. There's always gonna be me in it. You know, and when there's me, there's always ego. And of course, that's easing God out, right? So go to the Holy Spirit. Ask Him, reveal yourself to me. Make yourself real to me. Show me what I should do in this situation. And the more you do that, the more you get to understand His voice, the more you get to know what He wants for your life. He has a blanket plan for the world. Sure, He has a big plan, an ultimate plan. But do you know that He has a specialized plan just for you? A plan just for you. It's been customized just for you, Sandy. Just for you, Leo. Just for you, Dee, Sean. It's been customized just for you. That plan isn't the same as my plan. And it's not the same as each one of you's plan. One plan. Before the foundation of the earth, God made a plan just for you. Why on earth would you come to me to ask me about God's plan for you? Why would you go to anybody and ask them when God is... So much wanting to tell you and share with you the glorious things that He has to give to you, to show you, to lead you through, to just to reveal to you. Look for Him today. Amen? Father, we give You thanks and praise because Your Word is true. Your Word is Your very breath. And Lord, breathe into us today. Give us that breath of life that that sustains us, that keeps us going through every day, through every, every triumph, through every tribulation, Lord, that keeps us from the valley to the mountaintop. Father, we give you thanks for your word, for your anointing, for your Holy Spirit. And Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf, that because of you, we can have a relationship with the Father. Lord, be with us this week as we go forward in our jobs and we do our thing, the thing that you've called us to do. Lord, if we're not doing what you called us to do, call us out of it and call us into what you want us to do. Show us, Lord, make straight our path. Direct our feet, Lord, open the doors that you'd like to open and shut those that you'd like to keep shut and seal them with the blood of the Holy Spirit. I bless each one of your people here today. I speak a special blessing upon each and every one. I give you thanks and praise for this meeting, Lord, that you build it, that you grow it, that you bring whom you want to be here. And Lord, that you continue to use us as vessels for the encouragement of others. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.